Today on Foodstuffs. Jess heads to the suburbs to make some new feathered friends. Why a Mississauga couple decided to add backyard chickens to the family. And it's not practical for me to own a farm, so the closest thing was uh, maybe having some chickens because they're not only great pets, you know, they're, they have benefits. They, uh, they give you eggs. Hi, my name is Michaela Kutai. I am the Mississauga Backyard Farmer. And you're listening to Foodstuffs. Perfect. Welcome to Foodstuffs. A podcast about food and culture. And their intersections. I'm Jessica Walker. And I'm Brian Goman. So, it's you this week. So, you're talking backyard chickens. This is exciting to me. Mm-hmm. How, how, you and backyard chickens, suburbs... <laughs> Yes. This doesn't all add up to me. How did you come across this story? Um, well, I'm going to go back to the beginning. Um, and this involves letting everyone know about one of my longstanding, very near and dear extracurricular activities that I did from the get-go when I moved to Toronto, which is axe throwing. Yeah, axe throwing. I know you do this, but we don't talk about it. We've never talked about it on the podcast. Um, so, yeah, as I was saying, this is the first thing that I kind of found for myself when I moved to Toronto. But it's been about five years now, as I said, and basically it's something I can't not do. Um, so once a week, I throw hatchets at wooden targets in a league, an axe throwing league. That sounds really fun. I haven't been, but I've seen <laughs> lots of pictures. And it just it seems like people are treating this like like going to the pool hall or something, right? Yeah, exactly. So you drink a beer and you throw sharp things. Some people throw darts. Um, I throw axes. Um, yeah, it sounds dangerous, but I swear there are lots of safeguards in place. So anyway, one of my very favorite parts is that there's this huge cross-section of people that are really attracted to this activity, obviously. Um, If you live in Toronto, there's no way that you haven't heard about it, um, either through a bachelor party or whatever. The main reason I won't give it up, though, is the fact that there are such a diverse group of people that are attracted to doing this thing. Close to a year ago, I switched from throwing every Sunday night to a new night on Wednesdays. And at that point, I met a man who goes by the name of Walker... So naturally, my ears would perk up whenever he would get called. Right. Um, And then I learned that his first name is James. So I started to call him dad. Because why'd you call him dad? (laughs) Because my dad is James Walker, too. Oh, my God. (laughs) Of course. Exactly. Um, And basically, it was an instant bonding experience. Nonetheless, um, about 10 or 11 months ago, I overheard Walker talking about eggs. And naturally, I like perked up and stuck my nose into the conversation and asked many, many questions. So basically, he and his wife, Michaela, or he calls her Michelle, but Michaela is her birth name, um, were new parents to some baby chicks as of last May. But there was another element to the story um, that Michaela and James were willing to chat with me about. So on Tuesday, I hopped on the bus and went for a cruise to Mississauga to visit Michaela and the little ladies. Okay, so let's hear it then. This is Jess speaking with Michaela Kutai, owner of Four Backyard Chickens in Mississauga, Ontario. Yeah, it's like I said, it's a lot of fun. Each chicken has their own personality. I uh, love coming out every morning, letting them out of their coop. They run into our backyard, into the compost heap. They play there all day. They, you know, bathe themselves in the dirt bath. Um, 
And like I said, I get fresh eggs every single day. They're high in protein, much more so than the store-bought ones. Everything that I feed them is organic, so I know what I'm getting in return. Um, I don't throw any of my food out. It all goes to the chickens. Mm -hmm. They are my scrap uh, gerberators, (laughs) and they provide great compost for my garden, which grows me great vegetables and fruit, and all the scraps go back to the chickens, and they compost it, and... It's just a nice circle. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Can I ask a question of like, is this current? What's the legal situation with owning chickens at this moment in time in the GTA? Uh, I know that in Caledon and in Brampton, you are legally allowed to have chickens. In Mississauga, not so. Mm-hmm. I know you're allowed to have pigeons and rabbits. So, um, yeah, I, I don't see chickens should be such a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I believe I am breaking the law, right. but I'm trying to minimize the impact on my neighbors by keeping it nice and clean. Uh, I asked my neighbors permission before I even decided. Everybody was on board. Mm-hmm. The neighbors love it. They bring their uh, nieces and nephews over. Mm -hmm. The kids across the street come over and bring their leftover lunches from school and feed the chickens, you know, or I get a nice care package at my front door from the neighbors, you know, so instead of them throwing it into the green bin, we get to feed the chickens, and the kids love them. They go, and it's a great educational tool, too. It brings them back to nature. It brings them back to reality where it, it teaches them where our food comes from and, and the importance of 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 nutrition and uh, feeding our food healthy things so we get them better benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so what is the daily impact of you raising chickens? I, I trust. I feel like they wake up maybe pretty early. Is that true? Yeah, they're up by... Uh, sun, you know, the moment the sun goes up, they're out, they're wanting to go out. Uh, I don't have to get up that early because they, uh, they have a nice coop area and they're able to roam. Um, they just like to explore a little bit more of the garden. So by the time I get up, they're already waiting. It's like they're chickens in jail walking back and forth. (laughs) It's uh, a really good image. It, it really is. They're, they're cute, so I let them out. And one by one, every one of them goes back in and lays their eggs. So by about 11.30, I have four eggs. So it's it's nice. And then I go and throw my compost back to them, you know, from the day before. If I've made a salad or leftover food that we don't want to eat or bread that you know, isn't the freshest, you know, I, I feed it back to them and, uh, you know, clean their coop, gather their eggs, let them out. And then at the end of the day, um, just before it gets dark, I put them back in and make sure they're all locked up because everything likes chickens, mm-hmm. <laughs> raccoons, you know, you've got the coyotes, so you've got hawks, so you try and make sure that they're inside before anything gets to them. Mm-hmm. 
So it's not hard, but I've always had animals, so it's not much more different than owning a cat or a dog. Mm -hmm. You just have to make sure that when you go on vacation, somebody is there to collect eggs and clean up, or you take them with you like we do when we go to the cottage. <laughs> <laughs> do you have like a, a coop cottage for them or a cottage coop? It's a makeshift uh, <laughs> a place for them, but we bought a huge cat carrier and we put all four of them oh. for the transport. So we've got the dog, the cat, and the four chickens, and we make our way up. To <laughs> um, so I guess, why were you interested in getting chickens at the time that you did? I, uh, I got sick. It, it was uh, kind of fast. I was diagnosed with a kidney disease when I was like 15, 16 years old. But at that age, when they tell you something like that, you know, you don't really think about it, especially when they tell you by the time you're 40, you know, you might have to uh, get a transplant. Well, everything was going great, you know, loved my life. Uh, and then I got really sick and uh, I had to go on dialysis. I'm waiting for a kidney transplant. I've been on the list for three years now. So um, it's, uh, I don't work because it's very difficult to um, work while on dialysis. I do it three times a day at home, sometimes four times depending on how sick I am. So uh, I don't work and I needed something to occupy myself with. I love being outside. I love the garden. I love my animals. Mm -hmm. uh, if I could, I would have a zoo. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the city of Mississauga wouldn't allow me to have a farm here. So, <laughs> so we can work on them. Yeah, and it's not practical for me to own a farm so the closest thing was uh maybe having some chickens because they're not only great pets you know they're they have benefits they uh they give you eggs mm -hmm. you know you can have a fresh omelet every day hard-boiled eggs you know uh you can make crepes anything you want really um and uh, they're great composters, like I said. Mm -hmm. So when I, I was sick, I've always eaten really healthy. I've always watched what I, I eat. Uh, I've never really liked junk food or McDonald's or any fast food places. Um, I've always tried to cook for myself. So I, I have maintained a very good lifestyle up until I was 38 years old. And um, I had to have a thyroidectomy. And once I was in the hospital and had the thyroidectomy, that kind of um, decreased the function of my kidney further. Mm. And a few months later, I had to go on dialysis. And uh, it was very tough to eat because uh, everything that is good for you it was terrible for me as a kidney patient because of all the phosphorus the potassium uh, and all the nutrients that your blood can't properly or your kidney can't properly filter mm -hmm. um, 
Do you mind for just anyone who wouldn't be familiar with like even the function of a kidney in the body? Do you mind just explaining what it is? Um, kidney is like your lungs for your air. It is a filter for your blood. So basically all the toxins that your body accumulates gets filtered through the fibers of your kidney and then uh, disregarded through your urine. So basically it keeps your uh, blood nice and clean mm -hmm. if it functions properly. I see. And there's uh, not a lot of, or there wasn't a lot of literature in terms of nutrition for kidney patients. Uh, they just said, you know, stay away from salts. Mm -hmm. But when you were growing up, or like in the last three years in particular? In the last maybe 10 years, but prior to that, doctors didn't really tell you um, to stick to a certain diet, like people who have diabetes. Mm -hmm. You know, they have to monitor their sugar. Well, it's it's hard to monitor something when you can't really measure it unless you go to the hospital and do the blood work right. and they can do that but even then um you didn't know what had potassium what had the phosphorus what had all the all the things that your your body couldn't properly dis discard mm -hmm. so now there's a lot more uh literature there's a lot more research going about it because there's a lot more people out there who do need a kidney transplant and it, a lot of it has to do with our nutrition it has to do with what we eat the fact that our foods are very salty full of sugars full of chemicals and our body just or a lot of people cannot process it as well as others mm -hmm. No, that's helpful. When you did start to learn about diet, what were the parts that you took on board and do the chickens relate to that at all? Or is it just like a who wouldn't want egg situation? <laughs> oh, well, I'm allowed to eat protein. Okay. And, and since I've been on dialysis, I need to have a lot of protein. And uh, I just find that uh, I didn't know what people were feeding the eggs that we get at the stores. Mm -hmm. And if I wanted organic eggs, it was costing me quite a lot of money. So I decided that this was the best thing for me. Uh, not only am I getting the benefit, my garden is getting the benefit. Most of my neighbors are getting the benefit because <laughs> they're getting eggs as well. <laughs> for St. Patrick's Day, uh, my neighbors across the street who have the kids, I gave them eggs and they sent me a picture and they had green omelets for St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. That's so, cute. Yeah. I just, uh, I think they're, they're a wonderful addition to the family. Uh, it may not be for everyone, just like animals and pets. Mm -hmm. But if you have the space, if you have the yard and you enjoy being outside and you enjoy getting the rewards from a garden mm -hmm. uh, I say why not mm -hmm. yeah it should be especially when you realize that it's not just your household that's benefiting and all of the spillover into the community around you essentially whether it's actually like the geographical physical houses near you I'm sure your family would also your parents etc right mm -hmm. everyone's learning to 
bake again or yeah yeah you know I give eggs to my nieces and nephews and they can't wait to crack them open and fry them up um they're great for Easter especially uh painting them because they're not fragile at all and like I said if you have kids they're great educational uh tools for the kids they learn so much they learn to appreciate nature they learn to appreciate where their food comes from they learn the value of food um as far as the flavor um yeah I can only imagine based on your satisfaction with your eggs that the flavor is also incomparable to anything that you could find in the store even the color of the yolk is much more vibrant um it's it's orangey it's not yellow uh like i said the shell is much harder they taste very good i don't use salt on my eggs whereas i i used to love salt but unfortunately uh, i'm not allowed to but they don't need it you can bake whatever you want you know like i said you just go out into your garden grab them and yeah go back in your kitchen and and just create something, something good, something tasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of creativity that goes along with it, too. If someone was considering it, you've sort of touched on this as well, but if someone was considering it, what would you tell them to think about before they did it? Do some research. There's lots of stuff on the Internet. There's a lot of good information out there, a lot of personal experiences, a lot of do's, a lot of don'ts. Um, it's an animal that you're going to have for two to two and a half years. So it's not a long commitment. But you do have to make sure that uh, you give them the time of day. Uh, they are social. And you need to clean up after them because they do poop. <laughs> and uh you know you don't want them to attract any animals or flies and then that might upset the neighbors and you really want to keep peace with the neighbors they're a lot of fun uh if you are in the city of toronto or mississauga and you don't have a vehicle you might not be able to get the the pellets that is required to feed them or the wood chips you might have to go outside of the city to like Caledon or our farm country so that might be a little bit more of an inconvenience but I'm hoping that once the city does allow us to have chickens that there'll be a lot more suppliers and the prices might come down I hope that might happen mm-hmm. yeah and then, is there any motion that you can see I don't know. I think right now there's so many other issues out there that that's kind of on the on, on the back burner. So unless there's a complaint, mm-hmm. I don't think that the city is going to do any major investigations. But, you know, like I said, I try and keep my area nice and clean, my... Uh, compost nice and clean so it doesn't attract any animals and I don't want any issues with my neighbors mm-hmm. um, I like the peace and uh, 
Well, that's about it, really. Yeah, exactly. So basically, if you're interested in getting involved in this sort of thing, you have to be that responsible and invested in the greater picture of your neighborhood. Yeah, because you do want to keep them outside and you don't just impact yourself, you impact the people around you. It's it's like having a dog tied up at the front of your property on a chain, you know, yapping or, or barking. It might, you know, upset the neighbors. Yeah. And uh, they're not loud. Uh, sometimes they're laying eggs. You might hear them. Uh, but no, they're pretty quiet. One of our neighbors didn't even know we had them until we told her. <laughs> So I think the dogs make more of a noise than the chickens do. So is this your lifestyle from here on out then? Are you are you devoted to chickens, period, end of story? I think I'm going to keep having chickens. After this batch, I will get another one. The only thing is I would like to get my husband to build me a bigger coop something that's a little bit more practical for me mm-hmm. uh, otherwise uh, yeah I think they're a great addition to the family why not um, I like my eggs and then you know at the end of their lifespan you get great soup mm-hmm. organic great soup yeah <laughs> I was wasn't going to ask but I was curious so yeah when their life draws to a close you also eat the chicken too I will, but I told my husband that I would like him to clean it for me like it comes from the supermarket (laughs) store. I don't think I could do that part, but uh, I think I've got a few volunteers that are are ready. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And that was Jess speaking with Michaela Katai. What a great story. I mean, certainly being in the food and urban ag space for a few years, I've been hearing lots about backyard chickens. But this story was really special. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you visiting Michaela? It was cool. Yeah, I can't tell you how neat it is to, like, yeah, walk up from the bus stop. Um, kind of walk into a classic, like, well-established suburb uh, in Mississauga. And come around the side of the house into the backyard. And I mean, it's a big space. It's not like the most massive space, but it was pretty big. And it's going to be like this beautiful lush garden you can see um, in the coming months. But then out of the corner of your eye, you just see these little four beings kind of like poking around (laughs) these little chickens. I didn't include it in the conversation there, but they actually all have names. They're Boom Boom, Blast, Lightning and Flash. (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't know what they say about naming your animals that you're going to potentially eat later but um but it works and they really do all have personalities boom boom is a little fighter i'll tell you what (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome but i love hearing hearing about that and i love hearing specifically about her um her neighborhood the neighborhood kids uh kind of taking part and coming over with their food scraps and feeding the chickens and I think that's a really cool way of just, again, we're, we are talking about connecting people with food and, you know, for, you know, kids in the suburbs, when would they really get a chance to see something like this up close and personal and, and be a part of it? So I think that's really, really cool. 
Absolutely. I know it was kind of ringing bells with some of the stuff that I was learning at the conference last weekend um, that we sort of touched on uh, in the last episode and even the conversation that you had had with right, Ryan yeah. where we're just sort of like seeking out all of these ways to connect people to their food and kind of like break this bad habit of uh, fast food and all that sort of stuff. And it's I didn't include it in our conversation um, that we just played, but she was kind of talking about how amazing it would be if schools started to kind of have a chicken program. And, you know, not right, only yeah. would it be the opportunity for them to learn where the food was coming from, but, you know, then they would also have this product that they could then, you know, do a breakfast program with and everyone would have like an even more healthy yeah. option for them to uh, for them to eat in the morning and have a great start to their day. And let alone like learning to care for a being. I mean, in that yeah. packed conversation that we had way, way back in season mm-hmm. one. With David Lockett, yes. They, yeah, exactly. They were talking about beans and how important it is to the kids for them to take such good care of it and all that sort of stuff. And can you imagine if it was animals? I'm sure there's a lot of um, processes that would have to happen in order to ever get a green light on that. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, it was like a really kind of incredible idea and especially when you hear these stories of yeah these kids kind of like you know <laughs> I guess in a previous house they had had a dog and there was kids in that neighborhood too and they would always knock on the door and ask to like play with the dog which yeah. is <laughs> super adorable and sweet yeah. but that notion of like can we go by and visit the chickens like can we go play with the chickens <laughs> yeah is so cool actually my brother who lives north of Perry Sound so um there's a small town they have uh, chickens in their backyard, which is a little more common out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, my nieces have been looking after them for the last few years. And uh, I, I think that uh, it's great for them to, again, see see what goes into uh, feeding people and what they're enjoying and, and they're mm-hmm. taking part of it. And I think that's only a good thing, really. Exactly. And even Michaela isn't able to do the slaughtering part, but like, obviously she, she's fully involved in the whole process. Right. Yeah. Um, But nonetheless, it's like important to, well, so that's a residual of the fact that they're really responsible in kind of letting their neighbors know, getting their consent, all that sort of stuff. Only something like this is going to work because technically it is not legal yet um if everyone around them is on board because obviously police aren't like knocking down doors and right. like, who has chickens around here because that would be really inefficient and impractical um well yeah they'd but, only come if somebody did complain really exactly so to get out in front of it and you know, i think is a, a good idea so yeah i want to talk about that so it's not technically legal in in some areas where yeah. are there areas in canada now that you know that where um, this practice is legal or yeah. is the legislation is changing? I think like, what was it? Four or five years ago, it was kind of on the news everywhere in Halifax. Before I left, there were people fighting for it. Um, yeah, there, there just seemed to be a movement that was kind of cropping up all across the country. Um, but yeah, it still seems to be going through, um, the legal process to, to change the bylaws, but places I did look this up and there are places that exist that are totally legal at this point in time um it is kind of hard to find like a definitive up-to-date list um I know something had changed as of 
two weeks ago or something like that. So this is not the definitive list, but just as an idea, it uh, it is quite small. So there is Niagara Falls, there is Brampton. In Guelph, you need what is called a large lot. <laughs> no definitive terms there. Um, in Kingston, also in Ontario. So those were all Ontario. And then we have Victoria and Vancouver. In Surrey, also in BC, um, you need a one-acre lot. Um, there's, yeah, chickens allowed in Whitehorse Northwest Territories. We have pilot projects going on in somewhere called St. Albert. Forgive me, I should have looked that up. Uh, we also have them in Edmonton and then Newmarket here in Ontario. And then in Montreal, there's a neighborhood called Mercier Hochelaga Maisonneuve um, that is allowing backyard chickens in community gardens there. And then the one that would have changed as of two weeks ago is a place called Okotoks, Alberta. Um, so yeah, that was on April 6th. So very, very recent. So you can tell, not a ton of <laughs> options yet at this point. But um, yeah, but you can kind of tell with some of them, like Niagara Falls and Brampton, like those are more agricultural areas. So it's just there's the resources around as well because she was sort of talking about how um, getting feed and all of that is one of the biggest barriers at this moment in time because they they just don't sell chicken feed in downtown right. Toronto. But as as the laws change, I'm sure that will change as well. Yeah, so movement is happening. Um, but yeah, you'll often hear people in the GTA note that rabbits, rabbits and pigeons are legal, so why shouldn't chickens be? Um, but yeah, it's ultimately one of those things that Unless someone complains, how would the authorities exactly. really know what you're yep. doing in your backyard? So, yeah, I think it's like kind of cool to engage your neighbors that way. I think that sub the suburbs in particular really have a, a stigma for like you're really distant from your neighbors. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, I, I'm talking as someone in the city, so you would be able to speak to that a little bit more. I think in some cases, yeah, that's that's very true. In other cases, I think people are are... People are friendly in parts of the suburbs, uh, but only at, as you cross paths. And very often people don't mm-hmm. cross paths because most of the living they do is inside their house. And um, there isn't yeah. a lot of um, uh, community as you may traditionally think about it. And certainly something like this would be something that would bring people together and get people uh, talking and get people doing things together. So again... Mm-hmm. And it's pretty easy to bribe people when you have, you know, something edible and delicious to give to people. I think that that's like a win-win for everyone involved. <laughs> so certainly like community engagement and knowing where your food comes from, that's one part of the story. But the other part of this it... This is all the stuff that we already knew already, yeah. Exactly. But the other part of it and the part of it that I think makes it special is, again, how this is related to uh, her getting sick and all the places, again, that, that it can touch where it's an activity for her to occupy mm-hmm. her physically and mentally and socially. It's uh, It feeds her the kind of good food that she needs uh, for exactly. her body. So there's so many places that, again, it's it, it works. Exactly, because that's the thing. And um, she just described herself as having energy for days and days and days and days, despite being... Um, diagnosed with uh, kidney disease when she was 16. And it's only when, you know, you can, as she was saying to me, like you can know that by the age of 40, you're gonna, this is gonna catch up with you, but that doesn't mean anything until it happens, right? And so when it does hit, it's just such a drastic lifestyle change for someone like that. It's 
in this really roundabout way under unfortunate circumstances that not only does she get to go grow a garden now she gets time and um energy and and all of that to to grow chickens too it's cool And that's it for episode 36 of Foodstuffs. Thanks this week to Michaela Kutai and James Walker, or my dad. Um, <laughs> you'd think that I'd encounter that name relatively frequently in my lifetime, but it hasn't happened. Um, yeah, big thanks to Michaela and James. Thanks again to Ken Stauer and Eric Betlam at CIUT. And thanks to you for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Foodstuffs Life or by searching Foodstuffs on Facebook. Or you can head over to our website, foodstuffs.life. Download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play. Am I missing any of them? Uh, Probably, but the point is you will find us wherever you get your podcasts. You certainly will. And of course, you can always stream us on SoundCloud. I'm Brian Goldman. And I'm Jessica Walker. We'll see you next week. told her that I was making my way out and she's like do you have a car and I was like no I'm fine don't worry about me